Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and this is the Windermere Coaching Minute, and this is our podcast where we bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light, and we like to talk about situations that may be challenging for real estate agents today, and then some strategies to help you uh, have higher success with your clients, and I am so excited today because I have Saul Simmers on with me. Saul, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you bet. So, Saul, we're going to call this part two. Um, And we're going to call this part two because you've been on with us before. And the previous podcast we had you on, you were talking about the five kind of five questions that you place before you ever make an offer with your buyers and how it allows you to have a higher level of success in getting your offers accepted. And you had a funny story. You said somebody called you. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I actually had a couple of phone calls and a couple of emails come in from, from different folks within the Windermere footprint who had listened to my previous uh, podcast. And they just said, look, dude, I don't even know you, but I wanted to just say thank you so much for that, for that podcast, because I actually made the five phone calls to the listing agent. I submitted our offer competing against other offers and we actually got it. So thank you so much. And that, <laughs> that just made my day. I know, right? I love it when you can help people. And I think, so So the reason why we had Saul back on is because one, here's one of the things I find when, when we're talking, and this just came up the other day, I had somebody that was on one of our classes and they just said, uh, you know, I need to know what's happening because I have buyers, my offers aren't getting accepted, we're losing out, we're doing offer after offer after offer. And, um, you know, and then in my coaching calls with Saul, as we were doing a coaching call, Saul shared with me some of his stats. So just real quick, so I'm going to kind of share those with the listeners, but uh, so sure. this year in Q1, Saul, you've had five buyers, which have all closed. Yes. Yeah. The most offers you have made is two. Correct. Right. Um, and the most homes they've looked at has been four five or less. Yep. Yeah. Right? I would say on average somewhere right around there. Okay. And so here's the thing that's, that is intriguing about this is that we have people out there being represented by real estate agents who think that they have a winning shot at getting that home or getting their offer accepted. Um, when the reality of it is there's really three components to whether this is going to work or not. It's not in all, in all manner, the best offer, so to speak, but it's the time that the real estate agent is spending upfront with the client. Number two, the level of education you are giving to your client to set clear expectations so they can understand what kind of game they're in and have, uh, you know, when we know more, we do better. And then, and then having a process that you don't vary off of like you, it's what you do every single time. Yep. Right. For sure. For sure. So let's kind of walk through those three areas. So when you say, when you say time, 
Give me an idea mm -hmm. of what that means for you when, like, if I'm going to be your buyer, tell me what that is. Yeah. So, I mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows about a 10 step buyer process with Ninja installation. And so that's, that's my process. But in terms of time, really we're, we're talking about having an intake call with them where I, where I understand what it is that they're looking for. And that's also where I can be educating them and giving them some, some realistic expectations. Um, and, 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 you know, it will take, it can take a week if we're really fast, but I like to span it out a little bit more so that they have time to get in touch with a lender. They have time to look at a couple different properties, maybe drive neighborhoods, and then we can get actually sit down and together and go through a contract and see what that looks like. Yeah. Well, and I think too, is, you know, a lot of times here's what's happens, right? Is I think that because some agents don't have a process, the buyer ends up running the process and the buyer shows up and says, Hey, here's a house yeah. we want to buy. Oh, let's go yeah. look at it. Nope. Didn't work. Here's a house we want to buy. Let's go look at it. No, it didn't work. As opposed to what you just said, Hey, do you have time for an intake interview? Um, and have you ever gotten pushback on that? Um, yeah, I have got pushed back on it, but they, they didn't end up being my clients. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Right. They, I mean, it, it, it's true though. If they don't have time for a phone call with me, then what, what makes, what, what would make you think that that would be a client that's ready to move forward with actually buying a house? Like you want to be able to educate them and there's no way that they would be successful in a, in a competitive, aggressive market like this, if they can't jump on a phone call with you. Right, exactly. And I think the other thing too that I hear, and I know I know you operate this way, it's the mindset of abundance versus the mindset of scarcity. 100%. And I think when you have the confidence to know that you have a process and you have the confidence to know that you know if, if you can get a client to give you an intake interview and to sit down with them and get them educated, that they're going to have success. And that's going to be in your best interest and the most and the biggest return on your time spent, right? Yep, 100%. Yeah. And so, and so I like to say this, uh, and this comes up in Ninja all the time, we have to go slow to go fast, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we know what buyer's biggest fears are, you know, losing a house, missing out on something, paying too much. There's something that's wrong with the house. You know, they, they have these, these fears and the process is what gives them clarity in all of those pieces. It's exactly what you said, slowing down in order to go fast. If we can help clarify those details, those fears, all of a sudden, man, they're, they're ready to go. Yeah. So let's, let's think about this. So you're going to educate them. So, um, you know, I always, I always say this, never assume, make no yep. assumptions. And sometimes I hear people say, well, we bought a house before. Okay. When did you buy? Because yep. real estate's micro. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's changing all the time. And so maybe a market they were in two years ago is nothing like the market. Or I mean, the market we're seeing today is hasn't been seen in a long time. Right. Right. If ever. And so, so do you, do you kind of go through a level of educating them to get them to understand, Hey, here's what we're about to embark upon. Yep. Yep. And we, I dial into that on my intake call. That's kind of one of the last pieces that I go into is kind of educating them on the market. But even like what I said, I also schedule another time for us to actually sit down and go through a contract. And with that, I say, Hey, here's what these contingencies look like in a normal market. And here's what we're looking at if you're wanting to be competitive and actually being able to buy a house. Here's what the risks and rewards are for each one of those pieces. That way, you know, it's, it's so, buying a house can be so emotional. 
And so the more that we can front load the education so that once they're out in the field and actually seeing houses, then they know what they're up against. They know what they need to do in order to win. And they can have that emotional piece, but at least they're educated and they know what the risks and rewards are for each piece. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, and I think that um, having that level of education and, and also does it get them realistic? And I mean, cause maybe they have these expectations that are kind of out there and not yeah. really understanding what they're about ready to, to have to tackle. And then you yep. say, Hey, let me just give you an idea. You know, on average, most of my, uh, my buyers that I work with are going to make one to two offers, right? Maybe the first offer is not going to get accepted, but you know, I have success in, on the second offer, you know, we're yep. probably going to see four to five homes. I mean, that's the way it's going to work for you. Yep. Yeah. And realistic expectations is, is so, so important because you really do see quite a bit of, of buyers coming into the equation with just not knowing what is going on in the market, just utterly not, not understanding. And so that's when you have the ability to just be honest with them and say, here's what's going on. Here's some, some statistics on what's happening in the market. And here's what we need to be prepared for. And then, you know, then, then they're ready to go. Yep. So let's, let's kind of think about this. So you're going to educate them. So let's talk about the process that educates them. Sure. Uh, one thing I would ask is, I mean, I've got a, I, well, I do know you've got a great buyer book. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So a buyer packet that's put together. Um, and by the way, do you use uh, buyer's agency agreements? I do. I okay. do. Yep. And, and, uh, and what, and, and what's been the response from your buyers when you have them sign those agreements? I think that it's just, it's built into the process. So typically I don't get any, any questions about it. It's, it's just part of the process. I present them with, with a buyer book. And then on our second appointment, I say, hey, hey, this is why this is important. Here's a document that I need to have you sign that helps me fully commit to you um, and, and go from there. And I haven't had pushback from it. I love it. You know, and, and we, we teach this and I'll hear people, I can hear the fear in their voice. Well, I don't know if I want to get them to sign it or they've been told that, you know, that uh, it's difficult or it scares the buyer away. But the reality of it is that it, it protects both you and it protects the buyer. And it shows that the buyer is confident in, in sticking in this process. Would you agree? Agree. Fully agree. And I always give, give an asterisk with it. As I say, look, if you have any issues with me that I cannot fix, I feel, I feel fully confident that I can cut this agreement loose. I don't need to hold you accountable for it, but you know, this is so that I can fully commit to you with my business. So I need to have it signed. Well, and I always say, you know, we never take a listing without a contract. Why do we work with a buyer without a contract? Yep. That's a good saying. So, uh, so you, you started off and so let's just go through the process. So we have, uh, we have the first steps, you know, which is, I like to ask you some questions. It'll help me help you find the right home. Is that okay if, if I take some notes? And then you go through the prior learning questions, which are just understanding how much do they know and how much experience have they had doing this, right? Yep, 100%. Yeah, so you you work through those. Uh, and they're simple questions just for the listeners. Things like, you know, where are you living now? Do you own your current home? How long have you owned it? Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, mm -hmm. when was the last time you bought a home? Uh, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? If you could wave a magic wand, I always love that question and yeah. uh, have this purchase go just the way you want. What would that look like? And that gives you so much understanding about that client. Yeah. One of my favorite questions in that is, is asking them about previous experiences that they've had in real estate, whether it be buying or selling or whatever it is, but then what happened during that process that you really liked and what happened during that process that you wish could have been changed. 
And then you really get that person to open up and, and give you some details, you know, whether it's escrow or it's title or buyer's agents totally drop the ball or listing it, you know, you get, you get insight into it and you're like, okay, I need to, to make sure that I write down notes so that I make sure that this doesn't happen again and they're happy with their experience. Exactly. Um, and so, so you go through that. We also call that an injury, we call that the psychological safety net because it is prior learning questions that aren't difficult. It yeah. also helps you build rapport, right? Specifically if they're buyers that you haven't met before or been referred to you. Yep, agreed. And so many times I see agents that skip that step and they don't build that rapport and then they wonder why uh, the buyers left them or the buyers went quiet on them. It's because they, they were confused and they didn't feel a comfort level or clarity with you. Yeah, I can. I cannot imagine taking on a buyer client without having that phone call first. Yeah. So then so then from there, you know, you meet and you give them a buyer packet. Uh, and like you said, you give them the buyer packet. And you also have the buyer's agency agreement. Uh, in there, any other things that you also include in your buyer packet? Um, let me see. I've got it in front of me. I mean, there's there's just kind of my process. It walks them through step by step from everything from getting pre-approved to doing a discovery day where we go out and see a couple properties um, and then gives them some expectations in terms of here's kind of what some costs are. Here's some things that you should and should not do while you're in escrow. Um, and so it's, it's kind of an information packed packet that will, that will get out to any buyer. Perfect. And so they, so they look at that and they, they get an idea of what's happening. They kind of look through it. And obviously they might have questions depending on their level of involvement in, in their, their prior times. Right. Yep. Um, and you kind of go through that and then, you know, and then we roll into the next step, which uh, is the funnel process. And you just already said the funnel process is one of the biggest pieces because it removes their fears. Oh, 100%. So for those listening, the funnel process is really a metaphor, uh, it's where you kind of draw a funnel and you talk about how we have a process to make sure you don't miss anything, make sure you don't pay too much. Uh, we use a process of elimination versus selection. We worked into a rolling top three, and then we do a CMA to make sure we identify the market value. So uh, that, again, making sure you don't pay too much. And that's all kind of drawn out. Do you kind of just, do you draw that out in front of them and just kind of work I do. to it? Yeah, I do. If, if I'm on a Zoom call, obviously I don't, I don't draw that out. But if, if I'm in person, absolutely we'll draw that out and, and give them a, a better idea of, of how that really works. And that's, that's so nice with helping clarify those, those biggest fears, right? Yes, I agree. And I got to tell you, so one thing I just, I realized the other day, so I don't know if, if you have, but I have a Remarkable. Mm, no, it's a digital notepad. And I realized on it just the other day that I can do a screen share on my oh, remarkable nice. and it's, it's just a pen. And so I literally can now, if I'm in a zoom call, if I wanted to draw up the funnel while you're sitting on the zoom call with me and I wanted to explain it to you, I could draw it out and you could watch me draw it and do everything oh, looking at. It. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I would say is for the listeners out there, uh, if you're in a world with technology in the digital age, I mean, get technology that benefits you in some of these scenarios, but it's kind of a cool deal. Uh, and then I also realized that you can also do a screen share with your, if you have an iPad or, uh, you know, the new, the iPen, I think they call it on the, yep. on the iPads. Yep. Yeah. you can do a screen share there where you can do a draw. So um, there's ways nice. for you to get this in front of people. I've also seen agents map it out and kind of like a, uh, like a pre-drawing that they just put up on the screen and then kind of walk the buyers through it. Sure. Um, 
and in Ninja, we kind of, we rehearse and practice that. So the funnel process we go through, and again, it's to address their fears. And then this is probably my favorite question. You can talk to me about how you use it, but on a scale yeah. of one to 10. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you get, you get so many people that are like, well, they go the safe route and they say, well, I'm probably a six or a seven. Like, okay, great. The follow-up question is, okay, well, what, what do you, what's still needed in order to get you to a 10? Like what, what needs to still happen? Yes. And that's where you get, you get it all over the place, but that's where you can just be helpful. You know, you can suggest lenders, you can suggest anything that needs to happen and kind of point them in the right direction with good contacts. And that helps move things along and help them feel more confident. Absolutely. So I love it. So basically what uh, Saul's saying here is you would say on a scale of one to 10, meaning one, you're not ready to buy a home today and 10, meaning if we found the right home, you'd purchase it today. Where would you, where do you feel you are? And they say, well, like I'm seven, say, okay, what would have to happen uh, in your mind for you to be a 10? And what's happening now is you're literally writing out um, steps and action items that they're going to need to accomplish in order to be able to be successful in buying a home. And then do you prioritize that list uh, after you get yeah. that on a piece of yeah. paper? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then that gives you your like your to-do list from there. So with your follow-up phone calls or when you're just summarizing at, at the end of the phone call, you're like, okay, great. Here's what you're going to do next week. Here's what you're going to do the following week. And then we're going to be ready to go get, go see a house, right? And so that's so, so helpful. Yeah. And I always say, why would you ever show a house to a five unless, unless it was simply for an education day or a get to know each other day? Yep. hundred percent. I yep. agree. Okay. So, so we do the scale one to 10 and then we move into the piece of paper exercise, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to give them a piece, each a piece of paper and uh, you're going to say, hey, write down what you like in a house. And then uh, each of you get to start three things that you can't live without. And then also, I want you to list one thing that is what we call a deal breaker, meaning that if that home had that, it's a no go. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And this is this again is, is so critical for the conversation because it gets lets you dive so much further into what their wants and their needs are and to get some clarity on things, you know, whether it's whatever they're looking for. If they're looking for a golf course, maybe that really boils down to they really just want to have a nice view from their living room. You know, you, there are so many, so many nice questions that you can ask to seek some more clarity. Right. And so they slide that back to you. And, and so now you really kind of have maybe six things that they start. Maybe there's five because they agreed on one. And then they got their two deal breakers or maybe the deal breaker is the same for each one of them. And then you go through and then you do the next step, which is the what and why's. So you say, well, why does this important to you? Why do you need to have this, right? And you kind of uncover way more information than just the what's. Yep. And that's what I was talking about on that last comment. I think that's yeah. so, so helpful. Well, and we always say uh, we find... Well, well, this is a scenario. I'll have somebody who's working with the buyers. You won't believe it. We looked at so many homes and they finally just found the one they wanted. It was nothing like what we'd been looking for. And then <laughs> that I, happens way too much. <laughs> and then I say, you know what happened? They found their whys because uh, you were looking for their what's and they found their whys. Yep. And, and I think that so many times what we do is we just take at face value, whatever they said, well, I want a, I want, you know, three bedroom, two car garage, big lot, and a really beautiful kitchen. And so we go plug all that in and then they end up buying, you know, a two bedroom with a small lot with uh, not so much a kitchen, but an open floor plan, but it's got a, right. a cute little kitchen. Yeah. And what you find is that the things that they thought they wanted were for different reasons. And if we had stopped and asked why, 
they want that feature, we would have found out it might not be specifically what we thought it was because we're making assumptions. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and the, and the more that you can dive into that, the better, because the more questions that you can ask that are, that are dialed and, and precise questions, the more that you can dial that in, the more information you can get, because for whatever reason, buyers have, have this, I mean, they will just kind of spit out all of these things that they would love to have. But then the more you boil that down, you find out what's really important. Maybe it's commute or maybe it's having land. Just like you said, you just, you find so much information out from these specific questions. Yes. And then, so we do that. And one of the challenges I think too, and this goes back to education and setting expectations is sometimes buyers think they, they have to find the perfect house. Have you ever had a buyer find a perfect house? No. No, 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 not at all. I mean, you find those, those ones that are 80%, 90%. And that's, I mean, that's all part of this, this questionnaire too, is that you let them know you're not going to find a perfect house, but we're looking for that 80 to 90% that's, that's going to do the job and, and will be everything that you need it to be. Yeah. And I love it in there too. We even say, you know, um, I've yet to find a buyer that's had a perfect home, but I got to tell you, when we go out, we have fine homes that are 80, 85 and 90%. And I will tell you the 85 and 90% perfect homes don't last. And you'll know when you see one. And my suggestion would be, if we find one of those, my, my suggestion would be that we move on those. Um, and, we, and we call that the 85% perfect home kind of story. Um, and what you're doing is you're getting them to basically know that, hey, you know what? Buying a perfect home is not going to happen, but they're saying it and you're helping them with it. Um, and then Definitely. you moved, and then we moved to step nine, which is really, you know, how are you going to be uh, buying this home? Is it going to be cash or is it going to be a lender? Um, and a lot of people ask why that comes so late in the process, but it's because we want to build up some report before we get to that question. Uh, and then uh, do you offer up an opportunity for a second opinion uh, when you have your clients with you, if, if they already have a lender? Yeah. In terms of giving them some other options with lenders? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I send, I send them in within my buyer book. I've got three lender suggestions. And yep. so even if they're working with somebody that they absolutely love, I just say, hey, you know, these, these are nationally ranked top lenders who I can, I can give you a full guarantee that they are fantastic. And so if you ever want to just speak to some, either any of them, you know, here's their contact info. And I think that's terrific too, because I also agree that, you know, um, I have to tell you that there's been scenarios and you maybe have experienced this where, you know, it, it's not that a lender isn't great. It's just that there's something that came up or something to do with that home or specifics where all of a sudden they can't perform and it's in the 11th hour. Yep. And when you, when you have that second option or that safety net, if you will, it's just, it's so much more of a peace of mind for that uh, buyer to know, hey, you talk to somebody else as a second opinion and we've got them in our back pocket in the event we need them. Yeah. yeah, and I think that a lot of times buyers don't understand the importance of a lender either. I mean, in, in the competitive market that we're in right now, having a, a local, well-qualified lender that the listing agent has a good experience with, that goes a long way. And that can help you set yourself apart, set the offer apart from, from another offer, even if that offer is, is higher, right? So yeah. that's just something to think about, too. Well, and I know, I know even with, I know Windermere has Penrith, but I mean, they even make, uh, they even make um, guarantees, right? On basically yep. the quality of the underwriting that they will, they will guarantee the close or else there's a certain amount of money to pay. I mean, and you've got to look into those specifics, but you know, there's a lot of benefits to having a real quality lender. 
Absolutely. Yep. Communication. Communication is so big. Yep. And, and in this market, appraisals are a really big item as well. And so having a lender that's, uh, that has a panel of appraisers that they work with every time, as opposed to having a third party management company, that's another huge differentiating factor between these local banks or local lenders, I should say, and, and more kind of nationwide companies. So, so then we fall to the last, the last step, step 10 says, if we find it, what will we do? And this is really where you really, I call this, uh, we're going to, we're going to have the, uh, um, we're going to do the design of the battle before we're in the battlefield, right? Yep. So we're going to, yep. so we're going we're gonna to walk you through things like uh, the offer to win strategy sheet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Hey, here's, here's, here's all of the aspects of an offer and let's talk about the power and I know you've used this, the power of your offer, because not offers yeah. are created equal, correct? Oh, absolutely. I use, I use this, this same sheet every single time with new buyers. I mean, it's, it's so critical because it gives you an actual visual of here's how we can be competitive. And are we going to go all the way to the top of these, of these and be as aggressive as we possibly can? Or you know, are you not able to do that? And then that gives them a good idea of, man, I think that the winning offer is actually going to be everything is fully aggressive. And, you know, it, it just helps with expectations. Uh, the more that you can educate and then get that sheet in front of them to, to make some decisions. Yep. And then also I heard the other day I was in a class and somebody mentioned the Windermere 41 form. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that's again, that's that's another really nice way. And uh, I think it's Demco that that wrote up that document for for Windermere. But again, yes. I use this with, with almost every offer. It just very clearly itemizes, here are the things that this buyer is going to be waiving and has nice verbiage in it. It's a really clean form. Yeah, if, if, if Windermere agents, buyers agents are listening to this and they're not using Form 41, please send me a quick email and I'd be happy to send it to them because it's, it's so nice to have. Or talk to your designated broker and they'll, they'll give it to you. Absolutely. Um, the other thing in here is this, is this also where you have the appraisal conversation uh, about, yep. uh, about bringing in the additional amount if it doesn't appraise? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, typically it happens when we're going through a contract and we're going through a financing contingency, but yes, it, it happens. It happens here or it happens during that conversation. Yep. And then there's some other little things that I like to point out too, is uh, one of the things I like to do in this situation, we talk about this in ninjas, give them an idea of what's going to happen when we get out there. Say, hey, when we get out there and we look at homes and you're going to see that 95% perfect home, there's going to be some questions as I see you get to that stage where maybe you're thinking about this is it. I may ask you some just uh, simple questions to see where you are, where the gate of your mind is if you want to move forward. Um, that's a big one. And the other thing I would tell you is this, is that when we're out there and we're in homes, let's not have any negotiation strategies happening in yeah. or outside the homes, because let's just assume today that everything's being recorded. Yes. Yes. That is such a critical conversation to have. Um, that's bit me in the butt. Well, not, not too bad, <laughs> but it has. I, mean, I get buyers that will walk up to the front door and there's clearly uh, video camera doorbell sitting right there and they open the door and they say one thing or another. I'm like, ah. Oh. No, I wish you did not just say that because you know the sellers are all sitting there watching it. Right. Well, and everything's a negotiation. And, you know, sometimes yeah. we got to, you know, keep our car our cards close. But I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's great to have an education around that, you know, and just say, hey, here's some things that, you know, you just want to be aware of because uh, this, this is the world that we're in today. Yep. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. 
And any, anything else you do in that process that you found that's been super beneficial to you that we might have uh, skipped? No, not, not that I can think of. I mean, I, I stick to this questionnaire to the T. So, you know, what you're describing is, is my conversation that I have with buyers. And this is, this is our first conversation that I have with them. Yep. Well, and I think, and I want to say this, I think for the, the listeners that are out there, a couple of things. So one is that if you've been through Ninja, the Ninja installation, and you've been through uh, day four with us, this is the buyer process where we role play it all. And we even give you this whole sheet to follow. Um, and if you're, if you're not familiar with it, then uh, it's a simple thing to do. Get yourself either in the Audible or get the, the, the printed version of Ninja Selling and go read Appendix uh, I believe it's Appendix A, it's the buyer process, and it, it, it will walk you through this in detail with all the verbiage that we just went through. But here's the thing that I will tell you, if you can't explain it to me or you don't understand it, then that's a problem because it's never going to be a consistent process with your buyers. And I think the reason why, Saul, you've had such phenomenal um, uh, success is because you've committed to practicing and learning that process and then doing it the exact same way every single time. For sure. For yeah. sure. It's absolutely assisted with that. Because I will tell you, the people that I see that struggle are the ones that have inconsistent processes or they're flying by to see their pants, or this is another one. Well, I know the buyer, so why would I use that process? Yeah, no, definitely not. Still yeah. have that conversation. Absolutely. And, and I will say, like, this is the first conversation that you have with a buyer. There needs to be a whole lot more that goes into it, but this will absolutely get you started in the right direction. And then, you know, on top of that, knowing the market, studying stats, having those conversations with, with listing agents, doing all the things uh, will also kind of complete that full picture of, of how to really do a good job representing a buyer. Well, and it goes back to, and then you at, at the point, once you're in the game and you're, and you're about ready to make offers, then it's engaging with the listing agents. And like you said, maybe people want to go back and listen to your other podcast where you talked about the five questions because it all kind of dovetails into each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, Saul, I want to thank you for taking the time today. And again, um, if anybody wants to reach out to you with specific questions about kind of what you do or how you do it, uh, what's the best yep. way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, email. So S-O-L-S at Windermere.com or feel free to give me a call. 360-927-3700. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. And then I will just reiterate for the listeners today, uh, you know, you'll do yourself a big favor if you do go back and review uh, the 10-step buyer process and really dial that in and don't try to wing it um, and don't try to do things in a different order. Just follow the 10 steps and the way it is and it's mapped out. Um, and also too, uh, you know, you might want to get a coach. You might want to have somebody coach you through it and help you with it. We can do that for you as well through Windermere Coaching, just windermerecoaching.com. I know Saul, you coach with us and uh, yeah. I, love, I love our conversations because as I try to help you, I learn a lot from you. And I just want to say thank you for being on our podcast today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, and I would definitely suggest coaching to anybody out there that wants to up their game. Well, thank you. Well, hey, Saul, uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. And I know that you've, you're, you're, you're cranking in this year, too, because we just kind of talked yeah. about that. So you got a lot of business going on. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you so much for taking the time. And I will end uh, with everybody. Thank you for listening to our coaching minutes. And we always end by saying, be awesome and help somebody and uh, make it a great day. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, 
please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.